Robert Cavalier, C.R.D. La Sala, History Stories Collection. While Joliet and Mark Way were on their long journey, Frontenac was making use of another fur trader, La Sala, and of another missionary, Hennepin. La Sala belonged to a rich French family and had left home at the age of 23 for the wild life in the American forests. He first built a fort-like post just above Montreal and named it Laquine because he supposed it was located on the route to China. In 1673, he helped build Fort Frontenac, where the Canadian city of Kingston now stands. La Sala returned home, and the king received him with honor and made him governor region around Fort Frontenac. He came back and built a great stone fort. Settlers soon came and built their cabins around the fort, making a little frontier village. Here the fur trader came each season with his pack, and here the faithful missionary said goodbye before plunging into the wilds of the unknown wilderness, perhaps never to return. La Sala was growing rich, but he longed to make good his country's right to the rich soil and the milder climate of the Mississippi Valley. Once more he returned to France, and the king gave him permission to explore the great valley and to build forts along the way. La Sala came back bringing sailors, carpenters, anchors, and cables, for he intended to build a ship on the lakes. But best of all, he brought Tanti his faithful Italian friend and helper. Hennepin, the missionary, carried an altar so made that he could strap it on his back and set it up for worship wherever he chose. La Sala had resolved to build his first fort at the mouth of the Niagara River, but the Iroquois permitted him to build only a large storehouse. They were greatly displeased when he set about building a ship above Niagara to sail the Great Lakes to the west and threatened to burn it. When the new ship, the Griffin, was ready to sail, they towed her up the Niagara River and then into Lake Erie. There was great rejoicing over the Griffin. Amid the firing of cannon and the singing of songs, she spread her sails, the first to whiten the waters of Lake Erie. On they sailed through sunshine and storm up Lake Heron until the mission town where Marquay was buried came into view. When the griffin fired her cannon, all was astir in that town of fur traders, mercenaries, and Indians. La Sala's men landed with great show. They marched to the little chapel and knelt before the altar. La Sala then sailed through the straits and to the head of Green Bay, where some of his men sent out many months before and collected a great quantity of furs. Laden with these, the griffin sailed for the storehouse on the Niagara, but La Sala never saw again this first ship of the lakes. Exploring the Mississippi Valley With fourteen men in four large canoes, La Sala set out for the Illinois River. They passed southward along the Wisconsin shore, sometimes living only on parched corn and wild berries but other t- at other times feasting on the wild game killed by their Indian hunter. They passed the spot where Chicago stands and reached the mouth of the St. Joseph River. Here another fort was built while waiting for the return of Tonti, who had gone to find the griffin. Three months had passed since the ship sailed. Tonti finally came, but brought no word of the ill-fated griffin.
Disappointed but still brave, La Salah, with a party of 30 men and 14 canoes, paddled up the St. Joseph River to where South Bend now is. From this point, the party, carrying canoes and baggage, made its way over the, to the headwaters of the Illinois. They were glad to reach the region near the present site of Ottawa, where Marquay had been a few years before. They saw Buffalo Rock and Starved Rock, high bluffs renowned in Indian history. Just as the little fleet was passing through Peoria Lake, someone saw the smoke of an Indian camp. At once, every Frenchman dropped his paddle, seized his gun, and sprang ashore. The Indians ran about in wild excitement, but La Salah talked peace to the chiefs while Hennepin tried to quiet the children. The Indians told La Salah of fierce warriors farther on who would kill them and of great monsters ready to eat them. These stories frightened some of La Salah's men, and they ran away. La Salah decided to build a fort on the bluff overlooking the river and remained there through the winter 1680. They named it Fort Cravecor, meaning that the builders had grieved until they, their hearts were broken. La Salah returned to Fort Frontenac. In the meantime, he ordered Tanti to fortify Starved Rock and Hennepin to explore the Illinois and the upper Mississippi rivers. While La Salah was gone, a great army of fierce Iroquois destroyed the villages of the Illinois Indians, the children of Count Frontenac. La Salah's heart was indeed full of grief when he returned and saw the awful desolation where once stood the villages of his Indian friends. But worse still, he could not find Tanti. With a sad but brave heart, the great leader resolved to bring all the Illinois tribes into a union that should be a match for the Iroquois. He went from tribe to tribe, and night after night he sat around the council fairs with the chiefs. Before he could unite them, he heard that Tanti was safe at Mac and Nack. He hastened to meet his long-lost friend, and there he and Tonti once more planned the exploration of the Lower Mississippi. He returned to Fort Frontenac, collected supplies, and was soon crossing the portage between the Chicago and Illinois rivers. On they went till early in February. Their canoes floated out upon the bosom of the Father of Waters, 1682. Down the river they floated, passing the Missouri, the Ohio, and the Arkansas, where Joliet and Mark Way had turned back. With, this ki with the kindly help of new guides, they passed on until they found the Mississippi, branching into three streams. La Salab divided his party, and each, and each took a stream to the Gulf. On shore, just above the mouth, a cross was raised, and La Salah took possession of all the country he had explored in the name of Louis, the great King of France. The company shouted, Long live the king! La Salah's first great object had been accomplished. Then the party began the slow journey upstream. La Salah finally reached Mackinac, and there again began to lay great plans. The first thing he did was to go to Starved Rock and build a fort for the protection of his union of Indian tribes. Starved Rock is a rough cliff which rises 135 feet high right out of the valley. Its sides are almost perpendicular. La Salah and his men cut away the trees on top and built storehouses, log huts, and a palisade. They named it Fort St. Louis. 
In the valley below, hundreds of Indians came and built their wigwams, that they might be safe from their enemies, the Iroquois. Tonti was put in command of the fort. La Salle's next step was to return to France and ask the king to plant a colony of Frenchmen at the mouth of the Mississippi River. The king agreed, and La Salle set sail for the Gulf of Mexico with a fleet of four ships and a colony of more than 150 persons, 1684. But he missed the Mississippi and landed at Matagorda Bay in Texas. The colonists blamed La Salle. He tried in vain to find the Mississippi. Suffering and discontent increased until a party of La Salle's men lay in ambush and shot him and left his body in the woods. More than a year went by before the faithful Tonti at Starved Rock heard of the sad fate of the great leader. The French king refused to send aid to the starving colonists in Texas, but the brave and heroic Tonti, though saddened by the death of La Salle, resolved to rescue them. His rescuing party suffered awful hardships. They deserted Tonti on the lower Mississippi, and he was at last forced to return to Starved Rock. <laughs>